The following audio is from Midtown Fellowship in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in becoming a part of our extended family, visit MidtownColumbia.com slash partner. Well, uh, hey, if I don't know y'all yet, uh, my name is Jake. I usually work over at our downtown church just right up the road. Uh, I work as a church planter in training, which means uh, I've been here for about a year and I'll be here a couple more years and then getting sent out, Lord willing, in a new city to start a new church that's going to look really similar to Midtown. So excited to be with y'all this morning. Uh, As I've mentioned before when I've preached here, uh, I did college ministry for about seven or eight years full-time in Kentucky, Uh, got married to someone way out of my league during that time, have a couple kids, and uh, yeah, just really, really glad to be with y'all this morning here at Two Notch. And as you guys saw in the video, we're in this series called Personal Liturgy. And this word liturgy, another way to think of it is uh, personal habits, personal rhythms, personal rituals in our lives that are making and shaping us into someone down the road. And we use this phrase the last couple weeks, and you're going to be hearing it often the next few months, and you're going to be getting sick of it, but that's kind of the point, this phrase, the things you do do things to you. They are making and shaping you into a certain person. And whoever that person is going to be one day, that future you, it's going to be a process to get there. I think about the Grand Canyon. If you guys have ever seen a picture of the Grand Canyon, you look at it and it just takes your breath away. And when you get down to it, uh, that thing, uh, this giant A hole in the ground that just takes your breath away. It took thousands upon thousands of years for it to turn into this beautiful, beautiful thing. It it took a process. It didn't happen overnight. Or when you think about if you go to the gym at all. You go to the gym and you see those people in the gym that are like super swole, that are always carrying around like just gallons of water with them, where whichever machine they go to, taking down notes of how many reps they just did. Uh, those people that got swole, it just didn't happen overnight, although that'd be pretty great if that was the case. If to just go and work out, you just work out once and then you wake up the next morning and you're jacked. Uh, That's not how it goes. It's a process. It takes time to get there. And it's the same with our spiritual health, with our emotional health. If we want to get to a certain place, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to become a process. And this is what Jesus invites us to every single day. He invites us into this life filled with joy and abundance of love and of self-control that can be able to endure suffering, that can endure hardships, that can experience life the way it's supposed to be lived, but it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And for some of us this morning, when we talk about Christianity, when we talk about the Bible, it often seems as though perhaps God is anti-joy. Like he doesn't want us to be happy, so he tells us to do things that don't seem fun. Or maybe for you, you come from a church background, and church for you is being told what to do, but it just seems impossible to live out. You just feel defeated all the time. And wherever you are this morning, you're in luck because God has a word to say to you, and it's found in Galatians chapter 5. Last week, Ant was in Galatians, and he was talking about how we need to set for ourselves these spiritual disciplines, these uh, purposeful things in our lives in order to foster and develop a spiritual life. And I want to unpack that more and talk about how we want to do spiritual disciplines, and at the same time, we want to think about how can we make everything we do an opportunity to praise and worship God. When you look at the book of Galatians, there was these two crowds 
in the church when it came to how do we grow spiritually. You have these two crowds in the church of Galatia, and there's this one crowd that is doing all these good spiritual things, and they're getting really prideful, getting really condescending about it, and looking down on other people. And then there's this other crowd in the church that they're trying to do the spiritual disciplines, but they just are left feeling defeated all the time. And you have these two crowds in the church, and Paul, the planter of the church in Galatia, is going to speak to both crowds and say, you guys are missing it. You guys are missing the point of how to grow in the Christian faith entirely. So it's with that, Galatians 5, verses 16 through 17. Read with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Did you catch that? Paul said, the secret to living this abundant life that Jesus has for you, the secret is wrapped up in four words found in verse 16. Walk by the Spirit. This word walk that Paul uses, uh, he's bringing to mind this idea as, as you are going about your day, moment by moment, second by second, as you are going from point A to point B throughout your day, just as often as you walk. So be walking in step with the Spirit, that in all of the ordinary things, your attention, your focus is on God. And so we have to ask ourselves, if Paul is calling us to walk by the Spirit, a couple questions, who is the Spirit and what does he do? So first, we got to ask ourselves, who is the Spirit? And as you look through the Bible, uh, you see these two ideas emerging a lot. You see that the Spirit is this mysterious power at times. And then you also see that the Spirit is this knowable person. When you look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, we hardly ever see the Holy Spirit show up. But when you do, it, it kind of like uh, floors you for a second. You see the Holy Spirit show up in Genesis chapter 1, the very first page of the Bible. It says before anything uh, comes into existence, God is there. And it says the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. That before anything was created, the Holy Spirit was there. And then as you continue reading the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit shows up in really weird and random places to do these seemingly supernatural things, and then the Holy Spirit leaves again. And we're left thinking, what is going on here? What is this Holy Spirit of God doing? And then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus shows up. And Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the wind, that you don't know what direction the wind is going to go, and you don't know how powerful the wind will be, but in a similar way, it's that way with the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus fleshes it out even more, and he says the Holy Spirit is a person, a person that you can know, a person that has desires and thoughts and, and attitudes and feelings, and you can know this person, this person of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus lived this perfect life we never could. He died the death that we deserve. And three days later, he conquered the grave through the power of the Holy Spirit. And after he resurrected, he spent uh, a little over a month hanging out with his disciples, teaching them. And then he says, I have to go to the right hand of my father. I'm going to leave you guys. But it's necessary that I leave you guys. Why? So that I can give you my Holy Spirit. 
So that's when the disciples, when you think about the disciples, they are left feeling confused and scared when Jesus leaves. They don't know what to do, and yet something happens in their lives. Something happens to where now their lives are changed. They're being bold for Jesus. They're standing up for Jesus. They're telling all sorts of people about Jesus to where the, their last dying words for all of them is Jesus. What happened in their lives that so radically changed them? the Holy Spirit in their lives. When you think about the last 2,000 years of church history, that the church, the, the assembly of Christians, of believers who've trusted in Jesus all across the globe, that the church has survived persecution, suffering, racism, sexism. It has survived uh, persecution after persecution. It has survived genocide. It has survived wars. And not only that, but the church continues to expand, continues to flourish, that more and more people, no matter how much the world tries to stomp it out, more and more people keep hearing about the name of Jesus. And how is that possible? It's through the Holy Spirit. So check this out. The Holy Spirit that existed before the foundations of the earth. That same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. The same Holy Spirit that changed the disciples. The same Holy Spirit that has helped the church endure for the last 2,000 years. That same Holy Spirit now dwells in you. Lives inside of you. That when you place your hope and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit now dwells in you to live the Christian life that God wants for you. This abundant life that we talk about is now made accessible for you in a way that never was before, before you placed your faith in Jesus. So think about it like this. Uh, I think it was 2016, the lottery, the, the nationwide lottery was over a billion dollars. And uh, I don't gamble. I hate gambling. Uh, I'm stingy. And so even if I were to bet like a dollar, like I, I just regret that I just lost a dollar. So I'm very stingy, very uh, always conscientious about my finances. But also it was like a billion dollars, you know. And somebody's got to win that thing, you know. So uh, I pitched in a buck for that lottery. And, and spoiler alert, we didn't win. Did not win the lot. I was pretty, pretty upset about that, that I just lost a buck. Uh, but think about for a sec. Let's say you woke up one morning. Uh, you entered into the lottery, and you found out on the news, a billion-dollar jackpot, that you won the lottery. Okay? What would be going through your brain at that moment? i tell you what would not be going through your brain. Uh, you probably would not be freaking out about your finances the next day. Right? So if you won the lottery, you probably would not be thinking uh, a month down the road, man, I got to make sure I buy the generic mac and cheese. I can't be buying name brand stuff. I got to save my money. I would not be freaking out and concerned about my finances because I knew I had this unlimited amount of money accessible in my bank account. But the reality is we so, so often forget that we have the Holy Spirit accessible to us. That we live our lives as though we think we are spiritually bankrupt all the time. That we are so often left feeling hopeless and defeated time and time again. And what the Holy Spirit wants to remind you is, no, it doesn't have to be that way. I'm here to change you. I'm here to, to work in you. I want to give you this abundant life. You are not spiritually bankrupt. You have all the spiritual riches made accessible to you through the power and work of the Holy Spirit.
So let me just ask you before we move on, where are you tempted to just throw in the towel? Where are you prone to feeling like life feels hopeless? Where you just feel so, so overwhelmed? What are the things that cause fear in you and anxiety and worry? Because it's when we succumb to this attitude, that's when we're going back into that spiritual poverty, that spiritual bankrupt mindset. And the Holy Spirit has so, so much more in store for you. And if this is true, if this is true, what God has for us through his spirit, how do we tap into this Holy Spirit power? Well, uh, and that brings us to the next point. What does the Holy Spirit do? And the Holy Spirit reminds us that uh, it is relationship and that relationship informs our routine. As Ant was saying last week, when it comes to spiritual disciplines versus legalism, spiritual disciplines is not, let me do all these things so that God can love me. No, it's that through the cross, through the empty grave, Jesus loves you infinitely. There's nothing you can ever do to take that love away from you. God loves you so, so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you, to conquer the grave for you. You just need to place your hope and trust in him. And once you understand that, it's not that you have to do all these things. It's that you get to. You get to spend time with Jesus. You get to go to him in prayer like a loving father. We get to. And just like any other relationship on this planet, to foster that relationship, to grow in that relationship, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some sacrifice. And it's not just implementing these positive routines. It's also learning to have the mindset that as we go about our day, as we are walking from point A to point B, how can we have this attitude that thinks of God in all of these things? So to get it really practical, I've got a chart for you guys. And this is called our default framework for habits. And you have three categories, the good, the bad, and the neutral. And good things, good habits are things that are overtly a good spiritual thing. Reading your Bible, praying, showing up to church. Bad things, overtly sinful things. And then you have that neutral category of things. It's not overtly bad, not overtly good. It just, it just is what it is. So I want you to think about when you woke up this morning and all the things that you did that got you to your seat and thinking about where would you fit it in all of these categories. So think about you woke up this morning and you got out of bed, okay? Which category would you put that under? Probably, you probably put that in the neutral category, right? You brushed your teeth, you took a shower, okay? Neutral, put some clothes on, unless you're putting on a Satanist shirt, you probably put that in the neutral category, right? Uh, you ate some breakfast, drank some coffee, neutral. You read your Bible for a few minutes. You did the personal liturgy app. That's pretty great. So let's put that in the good category. You put your dishes away, got in your car, listened to the radio. All right, all neutral things. Hey, you showed up this morning. Put that in the good category. Oh, but you saw someone uh, at church that uh, just really ticks you off. So let's put that in the bad category just to balance things a little bit. But you think about that, all of that this morning, and what you'll notice is probably 95% of that kind of all falls in that neutral, right? Neither overtly good, neither overtly bad. Most of our lives is just kind of wrapped up in that neutral column. But here's the thing. When you look back at Galatians 5.16, Paul doesn't actually give us that category, does he? 
He either says, walk in the spirit, or you're going to walk in the flesh. He doesn't say that things are neutral, if you notice that. And so if that's the case, if we have so, so much, if 95% of our lives is neutral, you know what's going on is that in a really subtle, secret way, we are actually sowing to the flesh and we don't even realize it. When 95% of what we do throughout the day, our focus is not on God in the slightest, what that actually ends up doing over time is it breeds this apathy in us, this spiritual laziness over time. Think about it like this. Uh, I really love going to see live music. I love going to concerts. And usually if the, if the concert is really, really good and it's loud and I'm shouting and people are shouting and I try to get as close to the stage as possible, usually it's on the drive home that my ears are ringing so, so loudly. Has this happened with anyone else? You go to a concert and your ears are just buzzing afterwards. So I found out that's not a good thing. Because when you're hearing those high-pitched tones in your ears, what's actually going on in your ears is that is the last time you are able to hear in that frequency. So I used to always listen to music growing up, and I thought, oh, man, it's good. It's really rocking if my ears are ringing at the end. Turned out I was just going deaf, right? And if you keep on doing that over time, your sense of hearing slowly goes away. And the reality is if 95% of our lives is in this neutral category where we aren't focusing on God at all, we're just going about our day, what happens is we start to become spiritually deaf. Our spiritual senses start to get dulled over time and we become these apathetic people that we've spent most of our lives not thinking about God. So when it comes to trying to think about God, it just becomes harder and harder because we are apathetic. This word apathy is uh, defined as when you don't care about the things God cares about. That's apathy. And so we actually sow apathy into our lives 95% of the time doing mundane things. And God is the furthest from our mind. But we can also sow apathy in the more overt ways that you might be familiar with. So for example, when you watch Netflix, hours and hours on end... When your episode's over and the Netflix window says, keep on watching, and you don't even bother picking up the remote, you just say, all right, Netflix, well, I'll let you make the decision for me. Yeah, let's keep on watching. You're breeding for yourself apathy. Or when most of your Instagram stories and Instagram posts are selfies, you know, that does something to you over time, right? You become more and more self-absorbed, more apathetic, more concerned about yourself. Or when perhaps you're like me and uh, every time there's a dull moment or you're just bored, even if it lasts two seconds, the impulse in your brain is just to pull out your phone, right? Oh, man, it's quiet. Oh, man, I'm bored right now. I don't have anyone to talk to. What's on? What's going on? Okay. And then you put it back in. And then you just kind of wait and chill for like another 10 seconds, not even realizing what you just did. And then you pull your phone back out. Okay, let me just, let me just, just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Just over and over again, over time, what that does, it sows in you this idea of of spiritual laziness, of spiritual apathy. Imagine this attitude, day after day, week after week, year after year, the person you are becoming when you uh, don't put your focus and attention on God. And so this idea that Paul talks about when it comes to walking, 
in step with the Spirit. Walking with the Spirit is cultivating this posture, cultivating this attitude, cultivating certain actions to where you are constantly shifting your focus upwards towards God in everything that you do. So how do we do that? Uh, gave you some diagnostic questions to ask yourselves. With the things that you do, number one, asking yourself, am I able to enjoy this in such a way that God is honored? Number two, uh, with the things that I do, how does this give me an opportunity to give thanks to the Lord? With the things that I do, number three, how can I talk to God about this so that I can turn whatever I am doing either into a prayerful or praise-filled response? It means that as I'm walking, as I am going about my day, God is on my brain and I am thinking and thanking God with everything. Thinking, God, thank you and praise you for saving me. Uh, help me to do whatever I am doing with you at the forefront of my mind. Uh, inform me how to do this in such a way that you are worshipped and honored even in the mundane and ordinary things of my life. Walking by the Spirit, sowing to the Spirit means that we need to be a people who redeem the routine. In the Old Testament, uh, God's people actually had a way to do this. So uh, we get to the book of Deuteronomy. And what happened right before that is God led his people out of bondage. He led his people out of slavery from the land of Egypt. And they're about to cross into the promised land. And God has some final words to say to them before they are about to enter the promised land. So we get to Deuteronomy 6. And God says this to his people. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And let's actually skip ahead to verse 8. God says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So God is setting reminders for them. I have saved you. I have given you my word and my promises. And so because of that, set reminders for yourselves throughout the day to remind yourself that I'm your God and I love you so much. Write that on your hand. Put that throughout your house that I love you so much. It's kind of like God knew that they would forget. It's almost like God knows how spiritually distracted we are and so God actually gives them a prescription, saying, I know you're, you're going to forget about me throughout the day, so put reminders up for yourselves throughout the day to constantly bring your attention, bring your focus back to me. Paul picks up on this later in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10.31. He says, uh, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Which means when you wake up, you can give it all to the glory of God. When you brush your teeth in the morning, you can give it to the glory of God. When you eat a meal, as you are drinking coffee, whatever you do throughout the day, you can give it all to the glory of God, knowing that he has saved you, that he has ransomed you, that you are his child, that he is giving you breath in your lungs right here, right now, so that you can uh, exhale that in praise. This is what it looks like to redeem the routine, constantly shifting our focus back to God, who is our good father, who is a good giver of good things. Uh, with the Olympics coming up, there was this Olympian in the 1920s. His name was Eric Liddell. 
And this guy loved Jesus a ton. He was a marathon runner. Uh, After the Olympics and winning uh, however many medals, he uh, ended up going into the missions field, going into third world country, spending the rest of his life telling people about Jesus. And before he is competing in this Olympic game, reporters catch wind that this guy just really, really loves Jesus. And one of the reporters says, hey, uh, why do you run? Like, why do you like running so, so much? And Eric Liddell almost instinctively said, I like running because God made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I love that. Sowing to the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, constantly bringing things back up to God with a Godward focus. Uh, I remember a friend of mine, this, this happened yesterday, me and probably a dozen friends, we were at a restaurant, and it's one of those restaurants that's kind of like family style, where they bring a dish and they just put it in the middle of the table, and everyone just grabs a little bit and puts it on their plate. And so there was about a dozen of us, and we got a lot of these plates to kind of cover the table, and it was really great. Once the food came out, there was a line of like three waiters, uh, each with like plates in their hands, and they place one down and then another to where every square inch is just covered with food. And one of my friends sitting right next to me just yells out loud, praise God! That's like, yes, that's it! That's so to the Spirit. That's walking in the Spirit, constantly shifting your focus. Yeah, God gives me breath in my lungs. He has saved me. I deserve to be dead in my sins, but he has given me new senses. He's given me new desires to enjoy something like this for his glory and for his honor. This is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. I know friends of mine that whenever they wash their hands or brush their teeth or take a shower, it becomes this mini prayer prompt of how God washes them and makes them clean. Doing things, intentional things, setting yourself up for reminders. I know for me, when I was in college and I uh, was just felt really overwhelmed with sin and guilt and shame in my life, I know something that helped me a lot is as I was walking to classes throughout the day, was just reciting under my breath lines from worship songs that I heard that Sunday. Just carrying that with me throughout my day. So what does it look like for you to redeem the routine? Because when you do, when you set reminders for yourselves, when you redeem the routine, what you'll notice is that over time, God begins to change you. He uses those things to shape you. That over time, when you redeem your, your routine, you'll notice that your thoughts more and more just begin to go up to God and giving thanks to him in praise. When you redeem the routine, uh, when people who are coming at you, who are draining people, who bring you down, and your normal response is usually to just give them some distance, but when you redeem the routine and begin thinking uh, about God, you become a person who is able to, to endure, to deal with draining people. When suffering comes your way, you're able to be a person who endures, who still gives thanks to God no matter what the circumstances may be. When we redeem the routine, we become more and more like Jesus inside of our lives to show off to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to people in our life groups. Jesus didn't come to earth so that uh, when you die, you will go to heaven. That's part of it, but it is, it is so, so much more. Jesus being filled with the Spirit in everything that he did was 
filled with joy, overflowing with joy, that Jesus lived this perfect life, an abundant life through the Holy Spirit, that everything Jesus did, he was giving us a little preview of heaven so that through his Holy Spirit now dwelling in you, when you trust him, you can experience that. You can experience a little foretaste, a little sneak peek of heaven the more you walk by the Spirit and redeem the routine. Jesus says in in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me with, with everything you're dealing with, your frustration, your disappointment, your guilt, your shame. Whatever you're going through, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you my spirit. I will enable you and empower you and equip you to walk in step with the spirit so that you can experience that life you've always longed for. It's accessible to you. Jesus is calling you to this right now. Are you listening to him? And will you walk with him? Pray with me, please. Jesus, thank you that it is through you, through what you have done for us on the cross. God, doing something that was impossible for us. We could never get right with you. And so you sent your son, Jesus, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. That you forgive us our sins and you give us your spirit. God, help us to keep in step with you. Help us to redeem the routine. God, I pray that this week as life groups are meeting up, that uh, this can be a, a brainstorming session to talk about how can we remind ourselves to follow you and to walk with you. That the seemingly ordinary, mundane things that we do, how can that become an opportunity to give thanks to you, to give praise to you, no matter what? God, I pray through that, through those reminders, through the spiritual disciplines that we talked about last week, that you will make us and shape us into a people more and more like Jesus. So that uh, as we go about our day, as we go about our week, something Uh, becomes different in us that we become a people more and more like you that we can experience this abundant life that you make accessible to us through your Holy Spirit God will you make that true for us pray this in Jesus name